Hey everyone, Cliff here. We're going to be posting our regular coronavirus news brief a little bit later on today, but in the meantime, we wanted to bring you some additional coverage. The reporting you're about to hear comes from WRL's nightly 7 p.m. newscast, and of course, if you want more uh, at any time, you can go to WRL.com for in-depth coverage on the ongoing pandemic. Again, we'll be back in just a little while with our usual news brief. Thanks for listening. North Carolina is officially a hot spot when it comes to COVID cases. National leaders keeping a close eye on our numbers after state officials announcing that 10% of all people tested, those test results coming back positive. And this graph really tells the story. You can see the spike right here. We experienced the highest one-day total of new coronavirus infections. Here's a look at the numbers. State health officials reporting more than 1,700 new cases. Hospitalizations are down slightly. 760 people are currently in the hospital, and we've had more than 1,100 deaths. More than half, 55%, have happened at skilled nursing facilities like nursing home. And these numbers come in three weeks to the day that we entered phase two. Back to you. Thank you, Sloan. A nurse in the Triangle is urging people not to let their guard down against COVID-19. She has spent nearly three months answering calls on a coronavirus hotline set up by a local hospital system. WRL's Brian Mim shares her message and hears from people in our area about precaution fatigue. As a field reporter, it is annoying talking with people using a microphone extender and carrying around wipes and hand sanitizer and wearing a face covering. For so many of us, this new normal still feels so abnormal. In downtown Apex, the window shoppers are back and signs in the windows say we're back. But there are those signs, the ones announcing wear, wait, wash, that snap us back to... I don't necessarily like the phrase, but the new normal. Stephanie Mazzi, as you see, is dutiful about the mask. But I do think people are going to become more relaxed. I think people are out more. Um, and not necessarily everybody's taking the precautions. And that has a local nurse who wishes to remain anonymous, concerned. People call every day wanting a test from us, she said in her email to our newsroom, but they don't want to change their activities. They're not isolating themselves, not cleaning their homes or washing their hands sufficiently, still going to work, still going to the stores and standing next to you. She told me by phone that callers are impatient with precautions. And that's why the virus is spreading. Out here on the streets where a mask can sure chafe on a hot June day. I don't don't use any more. People say she's got a point. I think people are letting their guard down a little bit, but I think people are ready uh, to somewhat take a little bit greater chance and get on with their life. At a store called Stylish Living, where you can buy a stylish mask, Honor Smith feels a certain fatigue. I'm really just tired of not being able to take my children anywhere. But... We've really kept up with it, stayed vigilant with it. Um, I know not everyone shares that same belief, but it's worked for us, and I think we fear COVID a little bit still. So, smile, but be sure to cover it with a mask and savor the feel of glycerin and alcohol in your hands. Brian Mims, WRAL News, Wake County. Many local businesses are still waiting for Governor Cooper's order to reopen. And while some have managed to keep their businesses above water during the pandemic, others are on the verge of losing it all. WR's Leslie Moreno shows us one dance studio and their struggle to stay afloat. 
Loafers here behind me is a dance club where different companies hold dance lessons. The owner of one of those companies says they've been closed for about 80 days now. He says if they don't open soon, he'll have to close his doors for good. It's just so heartbreaking to see um, this community just dying. Jordan Jewell started Move With Grace almost six years ago with a couple thousand dollars worth of training DVDs and a desire to learn and make a difference. But it's been a rough last couple of months for him. His business was forced to close in March because of the pandemic. What's, what's going to happen if this goes on a little longer? I will lose everything and all of the... Um, all of the work that I put in is just essentially going to be for nothing. Jewel says he's exhausted every resource. He's tried unemployment assistance, loans, even going as far as pleading with his students to pay for lessons in advance. We don't even have a date at this point as to when we might be able to open. A date that many of his students are looking forward to. I've missed it. <laughs> I've missed it. I've missed my lessons with this young man. Velma Berkeley is a student who's been dancing for 22 years now. She says dance is an outlet, especially at a time like this. It takes a lot of your worries away. When you dance, you forget about everything else. So it's a nice, it's a, a wonderful uh, thing to have in your life. Unfortunately, Jordan's story is not unusual. He tells me he's watched other local instructors close their businesses for good. He tells me he's really just waiting on Governor Cooper to give him the green light. Leslie Moreno, WRAL News, Raleigh. SAS is playing a pivotal role in the national coronavirus response efforts. This week, the Kerry-based analytics company released new tools to gauge risks and impacts for, re for reopening. Here to talk about this new tool and other ways software is helping pave the path forward is Dr. Steve Bennett, the Director of Global Government Practice at SAS, who's taken on the role of leading the company's COVID-19 response efforts, and he led the national bioscience efforts for the Department of Homeland Security prior to joining SAS. Dr. Bennett, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You have been very busy. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's start with reopening and the role SAS is playing in helping policymakers guide their decisions. Tell us more about some of these tools and how people can home at, at home can utilize them. Well, sure. Well, first, the tools are available right on our website. If you go to sas.com, you can uh, get a link right to where all of these are, are available. And, uh, you know, we've spent four decades working hard to take what we've gotten good at, you know, analytics and um, helping put data to work um, and, and helping uh, governments and healthcare around the world, um, you know, serve citizens. And so that's what we're doing with COVID-19, taking what we've gotten good at over the last couple of years and um, trying to serve others by putting it into the community so people can use it. And these tools represent free access to those sorts of technologies so that we can uh, help others make good decisions. Boy, I'm not sure I remember a time where we've been so focused on numbers and data and how it all works together. Can you give us any other hints for other projects we might see in the coming months? Well, sure. Uh, you know, we think about the uh, pandemic in three phases, you know, the a response phase, which I think much of the world is still struggling in, then a recovery phase, which we're all working hard to get to, and then a, a reimagined phase. And, you know, I think in the coming months, you're going to see more uh, governments and healthcare agencies and others working to recover. And there's a, a range of ways to do that that are important, everything from things like contact tracing, which we've heard about in the news, and an important way that uh, healthcare agencies can uh, get ahead of disease spread, uh, all the way to economic recovery. And analytics can be at the core of all of that, making sure we are 
um, you know, putting those stimulus funds to best use, using data to guide those decisions, and using data to help us understand where the disease might pop up next so that we can get ahead of it and get our medical resources ready uh, in advance rather than having to play catch up. So helpful. For those who don't have the software and analytics knowledge you and your team have, explain some other ways analytics can help with the response and recovery. Well, sure. It's nearly endless. So much of our world today is full of data and information, and all of that can be put together to make decisions. And, you know, in a pandemic like this that we see, you know, once a century, speed saves lives. The faster you can make decisions that are good decisions, the better off our communities are in terms of lives saved and uh, better outcomes and in minimizing the damage to the economy. And so a lot of the technologies that we and, and others are working on are focused on, on doing just that, helping to save lives by you know, optimizing medical resources. You know, an example of that is uh, figuring out how to uh, assign hospital beds so that the, the patients that really need them get them first, all the way to figuring out how uh, governments can prepare for changes in the tax revenue coming in so that critical services and benefits can still get to the citizens that need it. It really is uh, any problem you can think about that has data, you know, analytics is being brought to bear to help us recover. It is fascinating. You obviously have people around the world working for SAS, the headquarters in Cary. How much of the company would you say is working on this type of solution right now? Well, you know, we, we follow our customers and what they tell us they need. And, you know, I just can't think of a single customer for which this issue isn't really their top priority, whether it's a bank, an energy company or, or a government. So we really have uh, much of our workforce around the world, kind of all hands on deck, helping to serve others in their communities, whatever country they live in, uh, so that we can help put a dent in this. That's true in, in Europe, in Africa and Asia. And it's true right here in North Carolina. Absolutely. This has certainly been a global problem. As we wrap up here, Steve, how can people learn more? Well, again, I would just direct them to our website, sas.com, where you can get access to all of these technologies and tools that we talked about. But importantly, one of the things we're offering for the first time ever, you know, we've got an annual SAS Global Forum event, which is usually in a different city every year. But uh, since it's virtual this year, we've opened that up and we're offering it for free to anybody who wants to attend. So if you want to know more about how data and analytics can help with COVID or really transform the world, uh, go to sas.com and register for SAS Global Forum. It starts on Tuesday. That's great. Dr. Steve Bennett leading the coronavirus response efforts happening at SAS right here in the Triangle. Thank you for your time and your expertise. We will certainly be checking back in with you later this summer. Thanks very much.